Romans 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. My friends, we're looking this evening at uh, Paul's life again, and uh, uh, the practical advice, really, that uh, he gives in his letters, and my subject is handling all the circumstances of life, because that's what you find in the wisdom that God has given uh, to the Apostle Paul, uh, given to us, handed down to us in the epistles, practical advice about how we can address every situation that we come across in life. Nothing really uh, is uh, out, of, uh, out of the sphere in this aspect. There are principles that we can draw uh, from the scriptures and uh, from Paul's writings, which we are concentrating on, especially tonight, and apply it to our present day. Amazing, isn't it? 2,000 years ago, uh, these principles, these things were written for churches, for situations, for people living at that time, and yet this is God's enduring word. It's God's word, so it endures uh, forever, and it's uh, applicable uh, for us in our day and generation in the 21st century. 20, the young people growing up in this century, well, you need no, look no further for advice for life than the scriptures and the, the writings of the Apostle Paul. Use this as a guide for life. Well, this is what we're going to be looking at. Now, friends, when we come to the Bible, it's always very important to ask the Bible questions, not to question the Bible, not to doubt the Bible and to doubt what it's saying. That's not what we have in mind but to inquire of the Bible, to interrogate the Bible, to ask questions uh, when we're reading it. Especially as Christians, we should be always asking questions of uh, whatever passage we're reading, but especially maybe the New Testament. And sometimes uh, questions uh, arise uh, in life, things which need to be addressed, things which everyone is talking about. Well, what does the Bible say? about that particular issue. Something is fashionable in the world and everyone wants it or everyone is following down that path. Well, is, should the Christian be going down that path? Should be, the Christian be adopting that idea? Uh, should he, is this something he should have in his life? It's the Bible, we turn to the Bible uh, to find out uh, the answer uh, to these questions. So even, but even if we don't have a special circumstance to address, we would think to that. I don't know if you're aware, but there's a big issue going on in America at the moment about should Christians attend uh, gay weddings? And uh, that's uh, if, what, what happens if one of your family or grandchildren wants to attend, uh, is getting married, and they're, uh, you know, they're, they're gay or they're lesbian. Should they attend, Christians attend the wedding? There's a big uh, arguments going on in the United States at the moment. 
Well, I'll just give you that as an example. But it doesn't have to be a particular uh, circumstance uh, that is addressed. We need to be aware of uh, what the Bible is teaching on various aspects, because they're bound to come up. And we can be of great help to other people if we are familiar uh, with these, uh, with what the, the, the teaching of Scripture is on certain uh, topics. Now, the Apostle Paul, as you know, he was one of the most used penmen of Holy Scripture. And uh, he not only had the doctrinal side, but he also had the practical side. And you know his letters, they start off with the doctrine, and then he, he applies it uh, in the latter part of his letters. But uh, this is so important uh, for us as Christians because we are living in the world. We're not yet taken out of the world. We're not to be like the world, but we're still living in the world. We still have to communicate with people in the world. We have to live and work and have, we have our neighbors. Not everyone is a Christian. Not everyone believes in the same way that uh, we do. In, in, one, in that sense, we have to be very much real people. Uh, not living in a cloud, uh, living so separate lives, uh, monkish lives. We have to uh, be with the people and yet not going to that extent where we are becoming like them or participating in things uh, which are sinful. Uh, but, and Paul uh, is going to help us along these lines because there are all these things, issues that come up, isn't it? And we, we just don't know what to do, perhaps. How should I raise my kids? How should I... Uh, be as an employee in my in my uh, in my office as a student. How how should I be? All these th thoughts maybe uh, come across our minds. And again, Paul is going to help us and give us those uh, principles. So whether it's a matter on the doorstep, as it were, or something that needs immediate attention, uh, or a matter that's going to turn up sometime in the future, or a circumstance that is affecting other people, we want to know what does the Bible say. And what does the Lord think about it? And that's how we want to approach our study uh, this evening. So you can see, friends, that as far as living the Christian life, that's largely what it's all about, isn't it? When we are studying the Bible, we're asking these questions and we're seeking the answers. We're putting them into practice where it's clear. And if things are, are doubtful for us, then we struggle with those things. And we, uh, we, we read and we pray until light uh, is given to us in those particular uh, difficulties. But how wonderful the scriptures are. Last week we mentioned in passing the sufficiency of scriptures. Uh, one of its this Bible's attributes. Everything that we need to know for life, for salvation, and for living the Christian life uh, in this fallen world is given to us in the scriptures. And if we think of a subject that is not uh, seen like modern, a modern issue that is not de dealt with directly in the passage, then we look for those principles. And this is so vital for us uh, to pick up. And even some of the most obscure and difficult of life's questions, the apostle is probably the first person uh, that we should turn to uh, in many of these matters. So Paul seems to handle all the circumstances of life for the believer, the Christian, be it personal, marriage and family, the church, our attitude to the world at large, our place in society, war, <laughs> evil, false worship, work, suffering, all these things and more uh, he addresses. What a Bible uh, we have where we would find any 
Where would we find any such thing? And of course, we can rely on the scriptures and its teaching and be sure that it'll be of help to us. It'll be of profit to us. We're not just reading it as a, a, a subject, as it were, at school. Other, other books, well, you can get many books on different in individual subjects, but they're fallible. They're written by man. But this is God's inspired book. And uh, though the Bible doesn't tell me how to repair my car, it does tell me that if I'm getting in a state about it, uh, I can even uh, commend that to the Lord and seek God's guidance uh, upon that. What should I do with that car which keeps breaking down? Should I uh, get a new one? Or should I take, try and fix it myself? Or take it to a garage or just scrap it all together? Well, these things even the Lord will make clear as we pray. Uh, but in all the important matters of life, friends, we have a sure guide, and Paul is often uh, the one by the Holy Spirit who, to whom we would turn. So imagine Paul himself, and uh, surely we can say of him that he had a vast personal knowledge of life itself. And such experience and such wisdom uh, was given to him. Such an insight he seems to have been given into human nature. So if, if parents want to know how to raise their kids, well, you can go to Paul. If uh, marriages are having problems and they need uh, guidance, you can also go uh, to Paul, and he will, he will guide you, and he will show you what to do. Uh, how to be a good citizen, you can go to Paul. Uh, how to uh, be a, a respect uh, other people and uh, your fellow citizens. Well, none, none of these things have been dealt with better uh, than the apostle. If only, if only, friends, families would, every family would follow his advice. Well, all crises would cease. And it would be, if all were obedient to Paul's exhortations, well, industrial unrest would be unheard of if Paul were taken seriously. You know, if, if he dealt so masterfully with so many issues that affect modern life, selfishness, greed, poverty, and, of course, uh, uh, happiness, he addressed these things. We know that happiness uh, is... Uh, finding uh, is found in you know, being obedient uh, to God. If only the people in the world realize that. Everyone is, is searching for happiness, but it's found in the Lord, and Paul directs us in that way. Well, friends, I'm going to just uh, briefly go uh, survey some of Paul's writings and just to show you uh, some of the wealth of material that is available to us in the handout that, that I just uh, passed uh, to you. So if we have a look at that, and I'm just not going to read through all of these, but there are a number of different areas and subjects uh, with the passages of Scripture there. And we have to start off uh, <coughs> firstly with Bible study and personal devotions because this is uh, so important. Uh, we need to know the Scriptures. Oh, friends, we need to understand more and more we read the scriptures in a devotional way. That's good, and we must. But some people only read the Bible to pacify their conscience. It's just a part of their devotion. I've done my reading, and that's it. You feel okay about that. But we must think more of the Bible. Well, we must value the Bible above every other book. We must get to know it as well as we can, because it's 
therefore our benefit for our, our profit in life. Look at the first verse, uh, uh, 2 Timothy 3, uh, verse uh, 15. Uh, this is talking about Timothy. From a child, Timothy, thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith in which is in Christ Jesus. And then all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, may be complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That's not only for the preacher, that's also for every believer. And the more we uh, understand the Bible and what it's teaching us, the more we're immersed in its wisdom, well, friends, the better it will be uh, for us. Uh, Colossians 3, uh, 16. Uh, be learners. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, not sparsely. Don't be one who, who struggles to know what the Bible is. Know it well. Be rich. Uh, let it dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. When we help other people, we must help them biblically, not give them our own counsel. And I think you should do this, and I think you should do that. Well, your advice may be good, but Paul's is better, because it's inspired. And we should try and derive our, our counsel from the, script, from the scriptures. Uh, and then the, the last part, the Bible is to be studied together in the context of worship and the preached word. Hebrews 10, 25. Not forsaking the assemblies of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Don't leave off public worship. It's so vital for us, and <laughs> really we need more of it. One, once a week, twice a week, even sometimes, is not enough, is it? The early church used to meet every day for instruction and for teaching and for fellowship and for worship. Well, we need uh, more of public ministry. We need to place ourselves more under the sound uh, of God's word uh, because there, as long as we're in the church, which is teaching the Bible, that's the important thing, and uh, not, not just uh, other things. Where we, if you're in a place where the Bible is being, the pastor and the preachers are faithful to the, the scriptures, well, we need to learn more uh, in those uh, churches. So this is our, our starting point. And uh, the next practical issue we hear is uh, money and uh, possessions. I'm just going through these very briefly because of time, and you can look at them in your own uh, time. Our real position in life, <laughs> we may be outwardly poor, as we mentioned uh, in our recent series on the Sermon on Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Outwardly, we may not have much, but in Christ, we are rich. In Christ, we have many old spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Uh, here, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. So remember, uh, we may not have a lot in terms of physical things, but spiritually, you're a rich person. You may be in a, in a poor place, but spiritually, you're in a, a wealthy place. But then if we do have wealth in life, uh, how should we manage it? Well, here 
Paul again in 1 Timothy chapter 6 uh, gives us the advice. Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. Now the, the, the word for the world, the unbeliever, is covet, covetousness. Covet more things, get more things, get more money. This is what the, the world seeks after, isn't it? The watchword for the believer is contentment. Be content with such things as you have. And uh, be careful, it says actually, about riches. Young believer, young person maybe growing up, thinks, if, I, if only I'm rich. If only I had the money. Paul says, his advice, be careful if you're rich. Look at verse 9. They that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. There are many dangers attached to having a lot of money and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. There's a danger in riches because you're likely to become it's likely to make you more independent. It's likely to make you more covetous if you have a lot. And it's likely to take a person away from the Lord, to cool their hearts towards the Lord. So there's many temptations that come uh, and snares, uh, spiritual ones, that come with being uh, rich. It's not to say it's sinful to be rich. Don't get me wrong. That's not what the Bible teaches. Uh, there are... Uh, a number of Christians who are well-off, who are rich, uh, not the majority, but there are Christians who are, and uh, there's advice for them as well. Uh, look at verse 17 and 18. The rich person, if God has blessed them with material things, can do a lot of good, can live a, a life that uh, can help other people in so many ways. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us all things richly to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. Oh, what a help and a, a blessing and encouragement the rich, rich Christian can be by helping others with his uh, substance. And then uh, debt, uh, the last section part there, Owe no man anything, Romans 13, 8, but to love one another, for he that loveth another fulfilleth the law. Or debt, We're not, not all debt is wrong, but you want to try and avoid debt in life. Uh, if you want, need something, save up for it, I would say, and then buy it. Of course, you can't do it with a house, uh, and that's a different scenario. You, you, you have to borrow uh, from the bank or from the building society. But generally speaking, try not to get yourself into debt. But then over the page, the next section is about marriage. And again, Paul says a lot about marriage. Now we know, friends, that marriage is under attack uh, in our day and generation. Marriage as God designed it. God, God said a marriage should be between a, one man and one woman. That's it. Uh, it's something that's ordained of God. For this cause shall a man Leave his father and mother, and she shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. 
this is God's plan for families and God's plan for societies. So society is, is built upon that bedrock of uh, individual families made up of a, a man and a woman, a husband and a wife. And those roles of husband and wife are also being redefined in our days. Should we accept? Should we, should we uh, change our belief? No, we have to go back and see what does God say and uh, stick with what he has said. When we're choosing a partner, if some of us here are single people and uh, looking, looking for a partner, which is a perfectly natural thing to do, but what sort of a person should you have in mind? What sort of a person should you consider when it comes to marriage? Well, Paul says, 2 Corinthians 6, uh, verse 14, be, not, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and, uh, so, and so on, he goes on to say. You must make sure you marry in the Lord as a believer. He's saving us a lot of practical problems. If we choose to marry an unbeliever, well, you're going to find things are quite difficult because you're, one person is a believer wanting to follow the Lord, serve the Lord, and bring up the children, take the children to the Sunday school and so on, and the unbeliever doesn't want to do those things. And so Sunday becomes a difficult day. And then you have to come to some measure of compromise. But if you marry in the Lord, then you're both of the same mind, and the same spirit, and you're going the same direction, you're pulling in the same direction, it's so much easier in life. How should a husband and wife behave with each other? Again, uh, this is um, something that's being talked about. Husbands, look, Paul says, love your wives. How are you to love? As Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, sacrificially. Now wives, Again, it's not a fashionable teaching. Submit yourselves unto your own husbands as is fit in the law, Colossians 3, uh, 18. But uh, uh, this is difficult for, for, for ladies sometimes to accept, but put it in the light of the husband loving his wife as Christ loved the church. Even as his own body, he's to love his wife. Uh, he that loveth his wife loveth himself. He's to give himself uh, uh, wholeheartedly in love for this person. And, he's to, she, and in that, out of that response, even you could say uh, she submits herself to her husband, not, in every, uh, uh, not to every man, but it says to their own uh, husband. Uh, and the husband is to treat his wife. Paul, Paul and even Peter uh, goes on to treat, he says about the husband should treat his wife uh, as a, a special a vessel, a vase that is very, very precious and handle it in that kind of way, in that gentle and precious way. Well, there's other things we could say, but here's, uh, here's uh, other things as well. For widows, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 39, the wife is bound by the law as long as the husband liveth, but she's free to marry only again uh, in the Lord. And then chastity, uh, again, uh, something that is needed to be said in that day and needs to be said in our day. There's uh, sex. Sex is within the confines of marriage and marriage alone. That's the way God has designed it. Sex is a gift of God. 
but within marriage it is uh, to be alone. Hebrews 13, verse 4, Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge, those who commit sexual acts outside of marriage. And then, again, uh, some, mess uh, some words for the single and the unmarried uh, there as well. Uh, I'll just skip over that to 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committed fornication sins against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not with not your own. Ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So, how to look after your, your body? Take care of it. Don't treat it as a very, very old error which says the body uh, is uh, sinful. No, you must treat it as holy. Well, divorce and separation, I'm sure you know 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 7. But then parents and children, the next uh, section. And uh, how fathers are to treat their children, not to provoke their children uh, to, to be angry by their words and impatience, but to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But look, even advice with children. Uh, some people may say, well, Paul wasn't married. How can he know how to advise children? He didn't have children, but uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he gives us, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. Oh, friends, if only uh, our young people as well, uh, the children could uh, pick up on this and take it from the Lord. Listening to mom and dad, <laughs> or again, maybe it's not the thing to do, uh, maybe people, the young people want to follow what their friends are doing and disregard what mum and dad says. But listening to mum and dad prepares that teenager, that young person, for adult life. As they learn to submit to mum and dad, and when mum says no, or mum and dad say, wait, well, if the child agrees, that's going to help them. That's that period of waiting and of uh, being turned down, not being given everything and being spoiled like perhaps some other child, to spoil a child is going to hurt a child. But uh, to teach a child how to obey, uh, or for a child rather to obey, it's going to be of help because then when you enter into society, you know how to obey those who are in authority. You know how to obey your teachers or the policemen or the government and other things. So uh, it starts off in the home. But then I move on uh, to our next page and I'll try and go a little bit faster. Uh, civil rulers, those who are in government, well, they're ordained by God. And again, Paul's advice is be subject, be submissive in the home, be submissive in that husband-wife relationship, and here be submissive in uh, society. Uh, all the authorities, well, they've been put in place by God. Even the, the bad ones have been put in place by God. So submit uh, to these ones. And then you have a duty to pray for them. 1 Timothy 2, 1, I exhort, therefore that first four supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness 
and honesty. That's what we want. We want to live in a peaceful society where we can worship the Lord without interruption uh, from the police or from the government. And that's what we pray for. And then work. How should I? Uh, well, the first thing, I should work. <laughs> the work ethic. <laughs> Do we need to say that today? I think so, isn't it? The government is trying to get its numbers down. If only people would follow <laughs> this. Uh, Paul's work ethic, that you study to be quiet and to do your own business, to work with your own hands as we commanded you. Now, we know some people cannot work uh, for various uh, reasons, and uh, we understand that. But where a person can, uh, then, and they're able to, and not incapacitated by sickness or some other I issues in their life, then we, uh, then we, we, are, we make allowance for those things. But how are people to work? Well, as unto the Lord. That's the summary of what the following verses in Colossians. Not with eye service, that you're trying, just when the boss is around, you, you're, you know, you're, you're wholehearted in your work, you're zealous, you're, you're on, the, on your toes. No, whenever, uh, even if he's not around, you still, uh, you still are doing things as unto the Lord in your office. Employees know, don't they? They know and they see they observe things. They know those who are just there putting it on, those who are just doing the bare minimum that's required of them, and they know those who are, whose heart is in their job and who are doing things wholeheartedly and, and even enthusiastically. It's easy to see. The Christian should be, well, a model employee, uh, even to others. What a witness that is uh, to, uh, to others as well in, in their work, seeing them... Uh, carrying, up, carrying on their work in an honest and enthusiastic way. And then I'm going to leave the next section because hopefully we'll come back to that uh, in a minute. So I hope this is not too fast for you. Uh, eating and drinking. Well, <laughs> eating and drinking, really? Does the Bible even talk about eating and drinking? Yes, it does. Am I not free to do as I like in this area? Well, here is some guidance from, for you. When there's a curb on all excess, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Am I doing that? Am I eating and drinking uh, and whatsoever I do? Drunkenness, of course, is out. But also the company that we keep. What kind of friends are we surrounding ourselves with? Who do we go out with? Who do we play with? Who is it, who is it the one that we are uh, associating with? You know, again, this used to be so commonly said in the old times. The old preachers used to often say, you know, avoid evil communications. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Be careful of the friends. Make good friends. Your friends can influence you. Your friends can take you down the wrong road. That's not mentioned so much today. But be careful, Paul says, of your com the company that you keep. 1 Corinthians 5, 11. Now I've written unto you not to keep company. If any man is called a brother or be a fornicator or a covetous or an idolater and so on, with such an one, no, not to eat. And then saying grace at meals. Every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. We give God thanks uh, at the beginning of every meal. Uh, personal issues, 
again, the clothes that we wear. Can you see, friends? <laughs> Can you pick up the, the, these principles? They're timeless, isn't it? As it was in Paul's day, it's applicable uh, for us today. What kind of clothes should I wear? Am I free to wear whatever I like? Well, uh, Paul says, For the women, adorn yourselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Uh, so modesty in our appearance. That's all we aim for as men and women. <coughs> Cleanliness. Uh, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Uh, this is speaking about our hearts being sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. If our souls are clean, surely you want to also be clean, isn't it? Uh, to cleanliness is uh, something that's going to be important to us. Our speech. Uh, Paul says so much about our speech. We have to be careful about lying. Uh, we have to speak every man the truth with his neighbor. Uh, we have to speak graciously and wisely and uh, Ephesians 4.21, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. No, and then verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking, all to do with words, these kind of words, bitter words, wrathful words, hurtful words, let it not be spoken of, uh, let it not be spoken amongst you. Well, that's so helpful again to us because words come so easily to us and we don't realize sometimes how much damage uh, we may do uh, with what we say. And then finally, suffering and sickness. And here also, so, uh, so relevant because we all at some point or other suffer. Or <coughs> Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforted us in all our tribulation, in all our suffering, we are to go to God and find comfort in Him. He is the God of all comfort. And He allows us to go through things so that when we receive that comfort, then we'll be able to help others who come who in that same situation. And because you've experienced the comfort of God in your trial, you'll be of, you'll be of help uh, to them. And then you process those sufferings in a spiritual manner. You look at it as... Uh, with the, this promise in mind. All things, Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Trials, this is, uh, trials are working good for you. They may be bitter, but they're working something good in you. And uh, I'll leave it uh, there, because I just want to quickly uh, come back to Romans uh, 12. Our reading this evening, Romans 12, and just in a few remaining minutes, I want to look at these verses and the practical. It's a very, very practical chapter, as you know. But in Romans 12, verse 1, uh, we see that all our life is belongs to the Lord. I beseech you, by the, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Our lives belong to God. Verse 2, we are to be separate from the world. How can we know guidance? 
by renewing your mind, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. As we, and we need it, friends. That's why we need to check and examine what, what am I thinking? What am I believing? Is it scriptural? Uh, am I following the will of God? The more we know the scriptures, the more the mind of God will be clear to us, the will of God for our life. Verse 3, this is how am I to think of myself in life? Should I lift myself up and follow the the world's advice to esteem myself highly and wonderful and, uh, you know, something very, very great? Well, Paul says, no, you have to, that would be pride to lift yourself in a higher way. But he's, on the other hand, he's not saying, so demean yourself as if in some false kind of humility, but he's saying, think soberly of yourself. Have an informed view of yourself. Know what your strengths are. Know what your weaknesses are. Don't deny your gifts, but think in a soberly way as God has blessed you. Don't be puffed up with pride, and at the same time, don't be denying what God has given to you. Verses 4 to 8 expands on those gifts that are given to us as believers and recognize and use those gifts, the spiritual gifts, uh, in the church and within the church context. Every member has different gifts and uh, everyone should exercise those gifts uh, for the Lord's glory. Verses 9 and 10. <clears throat> Let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil. How we are uh, to treat Uh, others in the church, our attitude uh, towards others, cleave to that which is good, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. Uh, Verse uh, 11 talks about how we are to uh, serve the Lord, not be slothful in our business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. We serve our employees (laughs) enthusiastically. We serve the Lord with the same amount of fervor and zeal. He deserves it, doesn't it? Verse 12, uh, let uh, assurance uh, bring us joy, rejoicing in hope, our attitude in persecution, patient in tribulation, and prayer continuing always in loving prayer. Verse 13, uh, attitudes towards the needs of, of brethren, Uh, the saints and uh, even those in society distributing to the needs necessity of the saints given to hospitality. Verse 14 what to do in persecution bless those who persecute you. Now that's not the world's way Uh, and only a born again person uh, can can do this isn't it? Bless those who persecute bless and curse not and then verse 15 what to do when others rejoice rejoice with them Something good happens to a fellow believer. Oh, be happy for them. Don't be envious. Don't think, why not me? Be glad with them. And then weep with those who who are weeping, as we mentioned on Sunday. Another part of our mourning. Blessed are they that mourn. Well, weeping together with uh, those who are going through trials and difficulties. Verse 16, how to regard others, especially the lowly, and you can see that, uh, read that for yourself. Uh, verse 17, what to do when people are evil towards us? 
when people mistreat us and are bad towards us, that's, it's bound to happen. It's, it's already happened, I'm sure, to all of us. Well, verse 17, recompense to no man uh, evil uh, for evil. Then be honest in the sight of all men. The second part uh, of uh, verse 17. Verse 18, uh, how to behave in strife. Uh, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all, with all men. And then what to do in everyday situations uh, as well. Verse uh, 19, where we are uh, treated unjustly. Don't avenge yourself. Uh, leave that to the Lord. Give it to the Lord. Uh, he will, vengeance is mine, he says. I will repay. What to do when our enemies need help. Uh, verse 20, feed him. Give him drink. Do him good. In so doing, you shall heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. When, uh, what to do when we're pressed down uh, with evil uh, and trouble. So I'll just very quickly go uh, through those verses. And uh, please uh, go through these in your own time. And, uh, but remember when you're studying the scriptures, and do study as well as read the scriptures and ask those questions and be prepared. So when people ask you questions, what do you think about this? You have a biblical response to give them.